Trump scores big in the second and final presidential debate. And the only way to start today is with some fine tequila, a delicious libation. Bold Alpha is presented by Davidoff of Geneva, introducing the new Camacho Nicaragua, forged in fire and harnessing the wild flavors of Nicaragua. Camacho, live loud, available at DavidoffGeneva.com. And by Gurkha. The world's finest cigars, including the Gurkha Real. Connecticut wrapper comes to Gurkha. Mild, creamy, and smooth. That's the Gurkha Real. GurkhaCigars.com. Welcome to Bold Alpha, alpha male lifestyle conversation and commentary. I am Alpha Dave, your global five-star general and alpha male-in-chief. Today, we shall get to last night's presidential debate. A big win, in, as far as I'm concerned, for President Trump and a big loss for Joe, come on, man, Biden. We will get to that momentarily. But first, I think it's only appropriate before we begin discussing the debate that I imbibe with some fine tequila. Many of you may be thinking tequila. Oh, that's all I hear about is people drinking too much tequila on the beach. You're going to get a terrible hangover. You're going to get sick. Not so fast, my alpha friends. Because if there's anything that we do here at Bold Alpha, that is to properly educate you on spirits, on cigars, on alpha male lifestyle maneuvers, politics, commentary, whatever the case may be. So let's talk about tequila momentarily. And as I do so, I have a bottle of Azunia tequila. This is a state-crafted Reposado organic tequila. And as I pour it, let me tell you a little bit about this very unique tequila. Now, the big misconception about tequila is that you go to a beach, you're in Mexico, you're in the tropical islands, you're somewhere on vacation, and you start drinking these uh, massive margaritas that have like eight, ten shots in there, and you drink it in massive uh, quantities, and the next thing you know, you're hungover, you're sick, you feel horrible for the rest of your vacation. Let's talk about quality tequila. You have to remember that if you are out on the beach you are out on vacation, you're hot, you're in the sun, you're thirsty. So instead of hydrating with water or a soda and you decide to hydrate with a margarita, you know, those giant margaritas or the giant pina coladas, well, the margarita, they put ample amounts of tequila. And I don't care what the spirit is. If you're out in the sun and you have three, four, five shots, in some sort of sweetened drink and have multiple of those drinks throughout the course of a short period of time, you are going to get sick. So tequila has really gotten a very bad rap. But when we talk about the tequilas that I'm talking about today, a reposado or añejo, a reposado is a tequila that is usually aged for a year or less. Añejos are longer than a year in wood barrels. Think of bourbon. Think of single malt scotch. This is the type of quality that we are talking about. So this Azunia tequila is 100% pure blue agave. 
Now, this was introduced to me a couple of years ago on our brother show and brother podcast, The Cigar Dave Show, where every year right around Cinco de Mayo, we conduct massive tequila tasting maneuvers. Now, this particular Azunia Tequila Reposado, as I look at it, it's almost a light honey gold in color. This won the San Francisco World Spirits Competition in 2018 with a double gold medal. So this is very smooth. Let me take a little sip, say cheers. Mmm. Delicious. On the nose, I'm getting some wonderful notes of almost a butterscotch, honey, almost a little vanilla. And as I taste this Azunia Reposado, mmm. Very nice. I'm definitely getting the blue agave taste. I'm getting a small note of some of the wood. Remember, this is rested for eight months in wood barrels. And I'm definitely getting a nice amount of warmth on the back of my palate. And as it goes down, on the on a warm factor of 1 to 10, this is about a 7.5 to 8. It's very, very pleasant. Nice vanilla finish. And I put this in a, you could put it in a cognac snifter, a brandy snifter, or a scotch glass, a scotch snifter, which is what I have it in now. And I will tell you, you get the aroma, you get the taste. I like it neat. And if you really want to up your tasting experience with a tequila, try an Añejo. There are numerous Añejos. You have a Blanco, which is white, which is unaged, a Reposado aged for about a year, and then an Añejo is usually aged from a year to two or three years. But tequila's not overly aged, but it's a very pleasant spirit, and it's the perfect way for me to get my throat and my vocal cords ready to discuss last night's debate, and we shall do so momentarily. A new cigar that has just hit retailer shelves, the Camacho Nicaragua. The Camacho Nicaragua is forged in fire. Some things just can't be tamed. If you are looking for a cigar with full frontal flavor, with notes of sweetness, spiciness, oaky flavors, with some cigar tobaccos from Nicaragua that are forged in volcanic soil, the Camacho Nicaragua is for you. It features an Ecuadorian wrapper, Honduran binder, Honduran Dominican filler, as well as a special filler from Nicaragua, the volcanic island of Ometepe. What does that Ometepe tobacco give to the Camacho Nicaragua? It gives a very unique intensity with a unique oaky flavor. So if you're looking for a cigar that is medium to full, tons of flavor with a unique flavor spectrum, Give the Camacho Nicaragua a try. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com. Pivotal night for both President Trump and the other presidential candidate, Joe, come on, man, Biden. A lot of pressure. There are supposed to be three debates. As we know, the second debate was canceled. Third debate last night held in Nashville, Tennessee, moderated by Kristen Welker. Let's talk about the moderator first before I get into the specifics of the debate. Kristen Welker is a known Democrat, big Obama supporter, family, big contributors to the DNC. She was a registered Democrat until she became in the national eye, if you will, with NBC and then 
I think it's she's registered with no political party. But we know the truth. She's a Democrat, as are 95% of the liberal stream media. That being aside, she was the one who solely selected the topics. Now, we've got many pressing issues going on right now, whether it is the Chinese Wuhan virus pandemic, whether it is the economy, whether it is uh, just uh, the, the overall year that people have had, whether it is jobs. The last thing on people's priorities right now is climate change. Now, you know my position, maybe you don't, but I'll tell you. We've been keeping climactic records for about 130 or 140 years. Not a very long time. The world has been around for, what is it, 5 million years, some astronomical number. You cannot tell me that 140 years represents the total climate of the Earth, which has been around 5 million years. And people say, well, it's man-made global warming, it's man-made climate change, it's all this emission that's going on. Well, if that's the case, then why is it that in the early, I think it was the 1920s, we had the worst hurricanes, I think, uh, in history, in recorded history. Everyone says, oh, 2020's been terrible, it's all because of climate change. Go back in history. This isn't a new phenomenon. The climate changes on a regular basis. It's just a natural phenomenon. But everybody wants to point to climate change as being this man-made problem. Why do the Democrats and why do those people that espouse climate change, what's their end game? Simple. Always follow the money. I say it in everything. I don't care what the case is. Follow the cash. Follow the money. Climate change hysteria is all about a transfer of wealth. Transfer of wealth from one party to another. And as I have stated many times, Barack Obama, who is a climate change, uh, 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 just always said we've got this existential crisis, it's climate change, and if we don't do something, as he would say, if we don't do something, then the oceans are going to rise in Miami Beach, and all these other coastal cities are going to be underwater. Well, if that is the case, why did Barack and Michelle Obama purchase a $13 million Martha's Vineyard estate on the water that lies at sea level. If they're not concerned about the rising seas and climate change and spending $13 million for a waterfront piece of property and house, then neither should you. So Kristen Welker puts climate change as like the number two or three item and totally ignores foreign policy, foreign affairs. Why? Well, it's very simple. Because once the Hunter Biden MacBook hard drive revelations came out, showing that Hunter Biden was indeed involved in pay-for-play with foreign governments, using his father, using the Biden family connections, and once it came out that a Biden insider, Tony Bobolinsky, who was partners with Hunter Biden, when he kind of got shafted and he came out saying, I've got everything on my phones. I've got all the documentation that you need, a trove of documents showing that Hunter Biden, on behalf of his father, known as the chairman or the big guy, 
was essentially selling access to foreign entities, foreign governments, to be able to get access to Vice President Biden and indirectly through uh, Biden to other government officials. Do you think China, an entity in China, would hand over a billion dollars thinking that Hunter Biden's going to be this magnificent investor? No. They looked at the billion dollars as an investment, as an investment to advance the Chinese cause, pure and simple. So let's talk about Kristen Welker. The first mistake I thought she made was obviously not putting foreign affairs on the, on the agenda. And I thought there were some other things she should have put on there. Now, did she have a good control of both debaters? Yes. Now, I also think that both candidates looked at the previous debate realizing that Americans were turned off the constant bickering and interruption was in no way, shape, or form conducive to getting their message across. So clearly they were on a much more calm footing. And also there was the threat of turning off the mic or, or muting the other person's mic for the first two minutes uh, of each topic. Now that being said, Kristen Welker interrupted President Trump 111 times and Joe Biden only 22 times. And there were times that Kristen Welker should absolutely have followed up with Joe Biden and didn't, did, did not because she kept saying, we need to move on, we need to move on. The format of these debates is archaic. It really is. I'd like, I don't want one moderator. Why don't each select a, a moderator? The fact is nobody, no moderators are 100% impartial. It's just not, doesn't happen. That's human nature. So say, look, let's go with somebody who leans conservative and another person who leans liberal. I have no problem with that. Let's get two people, and I like personally more of the discussion back and forth. We're letting the candidates go back and bring up topics where the moderator or moderators can keep things on track, but I don't want them interjecting. The way that Candy Crowley interjected in the Mitt Romney and Barack Obama debate, when she basically interjected and said, oh, that's not true, uh, uh, Governor Romney when whatever he said absolutely was true. It was really, a, a moderator should be like a referee. You should not even know that they are there. So overall, I thought Kristen Welker performed better than I had anticipated, but certainly I had anticipated that she would be interrupting Trump far more and wouldn't press Biden. Now, there were times where she brought up some very good questions, where she basically told Biden, look, if you're the head of the Democrat Party, why can't you talk to Chuck Schumer and to Nancy Pelosi and tell them that as the head that you say you are the Democrat Party, you want to get a stimulus bill, a relief bill for the assistance of Americans who are hurting right now. And of course, he never had a great answer. So she did press him on that. Now, I thought early on, President Trump looked a little stiff. He always looks a little bit stiff. The first debate, he looked like he was just downright angry. Now, whether he was already starting to feel, feel uh, some of the effects of having the Chinese Wuhan virus, don't know. But after the first 10 minutes, I thought President Trump absolutely lightened up. He got into a groove. He got into a very good pace. And he was able to make his case without being overly aggressive, without interrupting, without uh, uh, screaming or yelling. He brought up some very good questions. And I thought that by bringing up the fact that, Joe, you've had the opportunity to do all these things that you're talking about 
over 47 years, and you, you haven't. I thought that was a great line. Trump, without any question, won the black vote, the undecided black vote, or even those people that were saying, yeah, maybe I'm tilting towards Biden. I think he made tremendous inroads yesterday by talking about the fact that it was Joe Biden who sponsored the 80s crime bill that put so many black Americans into the prison system for minor drug offenses. And Trump laid out what he has done for the black community. I won't reiterate them here, but I thought he was very concise, did a very good job, and I thought overall he scored points. Now, Biden has this wonderful ability as a longtime politician to look in the camera and say, look, you know me. You can trust me. Come on, man. You know who I am. I'm Joe Biden. And when they were talking about something to do with China, you know, that uh, Trump said, look, you wouldn't be tough on China. Biden turns the, 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 the total conversation to, I know those of you that are sitting at home right now, around your table, and you can't change your bald tires. And you, you can't do this because you don't have jobs and you don't have the income coming in. He totally pivoted from China to playing the, I'll feel your pain card. And Trump caught him on it. Trump basically said, that's what politicians do. So he did a wonderful job painting Joe Biden as a stale, old, 47-year-in-power politician that says everything he's going to do and doesn't do any of it. So I thought that was very effective. And in focus groups afterward, that showed that it was absolutely an effective line. I did think that down the road, and I've said this all along, when you let Joe Biden start to talk and to mumble and fumble, he will stick his foot into his own mouth. And that's exactly what happened with fracking. He came right out and said, listen, no, 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 I, 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 would, I would, we need to change and, and get off of, of fossil fuels, and within five years, we need to be, off of, we need to be fossil fuel free. And Trump, boom, you're like a little mountain lion, or you're like a little leopard, pouncing, just waiting in the bushes, waiting to pounce on your prey, and boom, truck, Trump took it and ran with it, and he said right off the bat, wait a minute, Joe. You absolutely are saying now that you are not for fracking. Listen to that. I hope you remember that, Pennsylvania. Hope you remember that, Oklahoma. Remember that, Texas. I thought that was extremely effective. And it is going to hurt Biden. No ifs, ands, or buts in those states. I think President Trump will win Pennsylvania. I think he's got Ohio. Oklahoma, I certainly believe he's going to win. And Texas, even though maybe closer than in the last election, I think absolutely President Trump will win Texas. And people have said, well, this, this debate doesn't change any minds. Au contraire. I believe it does, and I will get to that in just a moment. However, throughout the course of the debate, Joe Biden has this unique ability to always deny everything. That's a lie, man. Come on, man. That's a lie. You're lying. That's not true. Well, it is true. In fact, one of the things that Joe Biden said was about fracking that we just talked about. And Biden said to Trump, that's not true. And, Biden, and Trump said, yes, it is. I'll put it on my website. Well, my fellow alphas, while Biden denied that he is against eliminating fracking, 
He basically admitted as such because he put his foot into his mouth, even though he denied it and continued to deny it. Let's go to the audio, please. Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in a Biden administration? No, we would, we, would, we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated and no more subsidies for either one of those. I guarantee you we're going to end fossil fuel. No more, no new fracking. I gradually move away from fracking. And I think it's critically important on day one that we end any fossil fuel leases on public lands. Oh, well, like, what about, say, stopping fracking and stopping yeah. the pipeline infrastructure? Yeah, yeah. And, pipeline. And, exactly. and... They, they want to do the same thing I want to do. They want to phase out fossil fuels, and we're going to phase out fossil fuels. There's no question I'm in favor of banning fracking. What were you saying against, again, Joe, that you never said that you would ban fracking? Oh, yes, you did. In fact, that deserves a sip of my Azunia Reposado tequila. Mm. Ah, that is the taste of victory, my friends. Absolute victory. So President Trump, at the right times, made the right points. I thought overall it was a positive debate for the president. Does the president sometimes not properly articulate his position? Yes, he does get off tangent sometimes, does get off topic. And one of the early questions, I think, was, what would you do your first six months? You know, if you're inaugurated, what, what would you say for the next six months? And he kind of got away from really a vision. And I thought that President Trump should be selling, hey, I am the man. I am the president to lead this country from the Chinese Wuhan virus, from the economy that took a hit. We're coming back, but I'm the man, the man to lead this economy back. What I have done for the economy before, we shall do again. And I like the fact, and I, I, I do like the fact that President Trump absolutely, when he had the opportunity, went after Biden on the pay-for-play case. Now, the mainstream media, the, and it's not mainstream, that is a terrible term, and I, I don't, when I hear people say mainstream, it is wrong. It is the liberal or demstream media, because they are biased. They are biased towards the Democrats. That's just fact. That's reality. And none of the libstream media, CNN, MSNBC, the New York Times, Washington Post, none of those high esteemed members of the libstream media did any reporting about the Hunter Biden MacBook hard drive revelations. They did not even cover the Tony Bobolinsky. Uh, press conference didn't mention anything. So many people may have heard about the fact that there is a pay-for-play scheme from Hunter Biden involving Joe Biden for the first time yesterday. Why? Because most of the other media outlets decided to manipulate the news and not carry it. That's called biased journalism. I went to Syracuse University, the esteemed and hallowed S.I. Newhouse School of Public Communications, along with the Krauss Heinz School of Management. So I went to a academic institution, the Newhouse School of Communications, that always emphasized fairness in reporting, that you should play it down the middle, that you shouldn't take sides, you should not be biased. Well, when I went to Syracuse from 1982 to 1986, that's how it played then. Today, 35 years later, 33, 35 years later, that's not the case. 
all these supposed journalists from CNN and ABC and CBS and MSNBC, they are blatantly biased. They're blatantly slanted. And yesterday, the post-debate coverage, it was amazing to watch. I mean, look, President Trump, I thought, starting around halfway through the debate, reminded me of Secretariat in the 1973 Belmont Stakes, when in the backstretch he starts pulling away from the field and wins by like 38 lengths. I mean, I remember the jockey on Secretariat. I can't remember the jockey's name, but like there's nobody around. And he has to look back to say, where is everybody? Everybody's, you know, 38, 40, 45 lengths behind. They're a half a racetrack behind. And that's what I felt with President Trump, that around midway through, he was really on fire. He was hitting his stride, and he was like secretary. He was just pulling away from Biden. And look, I don't know if Joe Biden is being given some sort of stimulant. All I can say is this. When you go back and watch the Democrat debates from earlier this year, a year ago, a year and a half ago, there's a noticeable change. Biden was just constantly stumbling left and right at those debates. Even when he was answering a question, he was just stumbling and almost stuttering. And the last debate, and the debate, the first debate, he looked like he was bright, he was alert, he was with it until he gets through around the midway point, and then he starts to decline, starts to slow down. I noticed that yesterday. I have no idea if they're giving him, putting him on a sleeping medication for three days in a row. They're giving him some sort of stimulant, some other sort of pharmaceutical that gets his brain activity moving. I have no idea, and I'm not going to get involved in a conspiracy theory. But all I can tell you is that it seems rather odd when you look back at the DNC debates and then compare them to the two debates against President Trump, something different was happening. But midway through the debate, Joe starts to slow down and starts to stumble and mumble and fumble. And if President Trump would have just kept his cool in the first debate and not interrupted Biden, I guarantee you, the mumbling, stumbling, and fumbling would have taken place three weeks ago and President Trump would likely be farther ahead in the supposed polls. And I still think President Trump is ahead, and I think President Trump will win. I think there are a tremendous number of voters who are maintaining their silence, who do not want to admit anything. They're, they fear that they could get attacked. They could be persecuted at work. I've talked to many people that say, listen, Dave, I love President Trump. I don't talk about it at work. I don't talk about it with my fellow employees. I don't post anything. I'm just going to vote and be quiet about it. There is a silent majority in this country that is not being counted in these polls. I firmly believe that. But it was amazing after the debate. And by the way, before we, uh, we get back to finishing the debate, Joe Biden, there were, there were bets all over the place, drinking games on how many times Biden was going to say, come on, or come on, man. Well, how many times did he say, come on or come on, man? I counted eight times, eight times that Joe Biden said, come on, man. I mean, come on. He talks about one of the things that, that, uh, that Biden said was, uh, he talked about the poor boys 
and it is the Proud Boys, but he talked about the Poor Boys. The last time I know, Sergeant Steve, isn't the Poor Boy, isn't that a very fine, uh, well-known sandwich from Louisiana, from New Orleans? That would be a Po' Boy. That's a Po' Boy, but close enough. Yes. I think he's, he said Poor Boy or Po' Boy. I think he said Po' Boy, actually. Uh, but to me, to me, that was a, a, a dig against all those people who enjoy Po' Boy sandwiches. But he says, about the Po' Boys, last time we were on stage here, he said, I tell them to stand down and stand ready. Come on. This guy has a dog whistle as big as a foghorn. Listen, I can spot bullshit from a blimp in a fog storm, and I can tell you that Biden is full of bullshit. No ifs, ands, or buts. And there were just other instances where, by the way, Sergeant Steve, did you know that the United States government had friendly, cordial relations with Adolf Hitler and the Nazis before World War II? Well, of course we did, because, you know, Joe Biden said it. Come on, man. Come on, Steve. You know that's bullshit. But I, when he said that, I did, I did a double take, and I said, what? He makes this shit up. He blatantly just lies. And to say that, that here's what he said. That's like we were talking about Korea. That's like saying we had a good relationship with Hitler before he invaded the rest of Europe. And actually, he did say that we had a good relationship. And looking at that, I said, this guy has just lost it. And he has an ability to lie and manipulate the facts and, and just do it convincingly. And again, his answer is, look it up, look it up. It's true, it's true. Well, when you do look it up, and much of the media did look up half the stuff that he said, guess what? Biden was lying. Come on, man. Biden, you're lying. You're a lying son of a bitch. Well, son of a bitch. It proved that he was lying, to quote uh, uh, Joe Biden when he was talking about getting uh, the prosecutor in the Ukraine fire. Well, I told him he's not getting his billion dollars. Well, six hours later, what do you know? Son of a bitch, he gets fired. Well, son of a bitch, Joe, treasonous Joe, you have been exposed and continue to get exposed. Now, one other thing. I don't know if you noticed this. You may recall the 1992 debate between President George W. Bush and Bill Clinton, and I think Ross Perot was in it too. Now, Ross Perot, now here's the thing. Here's the thing, Joe. You're full of shit. If I was still alive today, Joe, I'd be calling you out because you are full of bullshit. You are full of Texas manure. I'm telling you that right now, Joe. What did Trump do? Correction. What did treasonous Joe Biden do that George Bush, George H.W. Bush, did in the 1992 election? Sergeant Steve, do you know the answer? I do not. It was looking at his watch, both caught on video. And in fact, in the 1992 debate, President George Bush, when he looked at his watch midway through the debate, was criticized as being out of touch for checking the time because basically people looked and said, oh, he can't be bothered uh, talking about these things. He wants to just get out of there. Biden did the exact same thing. He was caught looking down at his watch. And I think the reason he was caught, he was looking at his watch, he was thinking, how much more time before the the stimulant drugs that I've been given are going to start wearing off? I really believe that. The worst thing you can do is look down at your watch. That was a major turning point against President George H.W. Bush. And as soon as I saw that yesterday, I'm like, whoa, Nelly, reminded me of the 1992 debate. So I thought that was quite interesting. Now, 
I want to talk about the post-debate analysis by the media and a focus group that Frank Luntz did. I will take another sip of my Azunia Tequila Reposado, and when I come back, we'll get into the post-debate media analysis and what the focus group had to say. Their comments were most interesting. Gurkha has long been known for making the world's finest cigars. From its packaging to its construction, every part of a Gurkha cigar is exceptional. And for those of you that are looking for a creamy, mellow-to-medium cigar with notes of subtle sweetness and subtle tastes of cedar, the Gurkha Real is for you. Featuring an Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper, Dominican Olor binder, Atop Dominican Criollo and Nicaraguan long fillers, the Gurkha Real is a delightful sensory experience on your taste buds. Not overpowering, pleasant, smooth, a great cigar any time of day. Give the GurkaReal.com a try today. If you're looking for an any time of day cigar, the Gurkha Real is for you. Check it out at GurkhaCigars.com. Thoroughly enjoying my Azunia Reposado tequila. Mm. Look, it's early afternoon. It's never, never too early to enjoy some fine spirits, especially if you are an alpha male, which you all are. Now, after the debates, or the debate last night, I thought it was very interesting looking at the response from the media to a T, to a T. The CNN, MSNBC analyst without, I mean, I, you could predict this. If Trump won the debate, you knew they were going to find some other just ridiculous item to focus on. And what did they focus on? Well, on CNN, or first of all, on, on, uh, yeah, on CNN, uh, David Axelrod, who ran the Obama campaign, tried for the umpteenth time to tie Trump to a white supremacist movement. Now think about this for a second. This is the debate. You want to, if you want to criticize Trump about something that occurred in the debate, the way that he handled himself, that he, he was interrupting, his style, his facts, they didn't. Why? Because they knew that President Trump beat treasonous Joe like a drum. They knew that. I, you didn't even need to turn on the audio. I turned on CNN and then BSDNC. The faces were glum. They were long. They all looked depressed. I mean, Van Jones starts talking about Trump is standing on the graves of a quarter million of Americans, never, totally ignoring the fact that Trump shut down travel from China on January 31st, and Biden didn't admit that that was a good idea until April 3rd. And then Jones was miffed that Trump brought up the Biden family corruption. He says he has to attack someone that nobody believes is corrupt and nobody believes is a bad person. I'm sorry. The evidence points to the fact that Joe Biden is corrupt. And if he's corrupt, that does make him a bad person. Oh, and this is great. Van Jones actually wanted to give Biden credit for something. He wanted to give Biden credit for standing to his principles 
specifically about wanting to shut down fracking in the U.S. oil industry. Jones was celebrating that. Apparently, he doesn't understand that the rest of the country doesn't feel that way. And President Trump did a nice job saying, we are energy independent. We don't have to worry about going to wars with other countries to protect oil. We are energy independent. And when, when Biden says, we need renewables, we need wind, and we need solar, you can't build enough solar right now. And same thing with wind. One other note about solar. There's a huge problem. I just read this earlier this week. I didn't realize this that these solar panels have a limited lifetime. And when they're done, the you can't just recycle these solar panels. They are very hard to recycle. The amount of solar panel junk and trash that this world is go- and the country is going to be inundated in is incredible. It's unbelievable the amount of junk. And they're saying that's a huge issue because these photocells in these solar panels don't last. I think it's like a five or 10 year lifetime, if that. And they're saying that when they do have to get rid of these, a lot of dangerous materials in that, you can't get rid of it so easily. So while Biden loves to say we'll go to solar and wind, not so fast. And when he says we need to have every car on the road in the next 10 years needs to be an electric car, all right, as I've stated numerous times, let's say that's the fact. Let's say all whatever there is, 200 million cars on the road, whatever it is, it's some giant number. Let's say every one of those cars goes from fossil fuel gas or nat gas, to electrically powered, EV. How do you have to, when you charge your car every night, where do you think that power comes from? Do you think it just magically happens? You plug it in and you just just magically get this power? The power comes from a power plant. And when you build a power plant today, they don't want natural gas. They don't want coal. What they want are all these renewables. You can't build enough solar panels and wind panels to power 200 million cars, and the electric grid is going to be is going to must be upgraded dramatically. So when I hear all these Dems saying, "Oh, the Green New Deal or Green Raw Deal," as I call it, not one member of the media has said to him, "Wait a minute." You're talking about replacing 200 million cars. That's going to tax the existing grid, electrical grid system massively. You need to build a new grid. And what are you going to do for power? Because it's not enough to have just solar and wind. Look what happened in California. They had some heat waves two, three, four weeks ago, rolling brownouts. Why? Because the solar panels, if you get uh, during the day, if you have cloudiness or there's no wind, you got no power. Now, here in Florida, most every power plant has converted. I think there's only a couple of nuclear, I think there's maybe one or two nuclear plants left. Everything has been converted now to natural gas. Why? It's abundant and it's clean. We didn't have any brownouts. We didn't have any blackouts. It was very warm this summer in Florida. People use their air conditioning, no problem. Everything worked just fine as opposed to California. So when... You hear these people that are just these media types that have to go after nitpicky items. It tells you all you need to know. MSNBC, what did they focus on after the debate? Because President Trump had an exceptional form. You know what they went on? They spent umpteen, They spent probably 20 minutes talking about, oh, the 500 kids that are not uh, reunited with their parents. 
talking about these kids being locked up. They, that was two years ago, that news. They're still talking about it because Trump won. Now, what did Chuck Todd have to say about the Hunter Biden MacBook hard drive revelations and the announcement by Tony Babalewski that he has a trove of implement, uh, implicating documents that Hunter Biden absolutely sold the Biden family name and access to Joe Biden for millions of dollars to governments around the world, including our enemy China. Take a listen to what Chuck E. Cheese Todd had to say. Pump air into this October surprise that he's been, he's been working on, uh, the, the, the emails, the Hunter Biden stuff. He kept bringing it up. I felt as if that when he would talk about certain things, particularly that issue and a couple other times, um, and I want to say this very shorthand, I felt like he was almost speaking the language of Fox primetime. And if you watch a lot of Fox primetime, you understood what he was saying. But if you don't, you have no idea. I'll be honest with you. I had some, I had different people go, what is that? I, I didn't hear that. I don't understand this. And I simply said, well, you don't speak that language. And I do think that was part of the president's problem is that he did speak um, to folks who already understand what he's saying. Did he actually talk to anybody who's vacillating in the middle tonight? And did he make a pitch to bring them back to him? I did not hear that kind of pitch. Uh, and I do think when he, when he went after Biden personally and he went after that Hunter Biden stuff, I, I just, you know, if you didn't follow it closely, you probably don't quite understand what the hit is. You probably don't understand because none of the Libstream media reported on it. But I have a feeling this is just broken as I am conducting this Bold Alpha podcast. New emails from Biden's brother show Barack Obama was in on the gig. And what it says is that it shows President Barack Obama was brought into the Biden schemes per an email from Biden's brother, James Biden, sending the email to Hunter Biden. And here's what he said. You need to call me now. Just got off the phone with your father. He is meeting with the O! Exclamation point, exclamation point. Some outrageous acquisitions. Double exclamation point. We have the two biggest days of our business life in front of us. Quadruple! Exclamation point. This is getting juicy. This is in an email from October 1st, 2017. We know who the big guy is. That's Joe. Who do you think O is? That would be Obama, as in one President Barack Obama. And if the media does not report on this, then they are absolutely derelict. They have no credibility whatsoever. Oh, and another item. Sudan just announced that they're joining the UAE and Bahrain in recognizing and establishing diplomatic relations with Israel. What do you know? That's why I thought it was important you should have a segment on foreign affairs in last night's debate. Finally, the LA Times conducted a focus group of undecided voters after or during the debate last night. Very interesting. It was conducted by Frank Luntz. He does some very interesting focus groups. I don't necessarily agree with all his opinions on various elections and his takes on various races, but the one thing I do find interesting is the information that he does bring out in these focus groups. So last night, they conduct this 
focus group via Zoom. He did one after the first debate, and it was not good for Trump. No ifs, ands, or buts. Now, here's my thing on undecided voters. You have known President Trump for the past four years. You've known that Joe Biden was essentially the Democrat nominee since March. So let's just say eight months. You are still undecided? What is wrong with you? I mean, this, is, this isn't like saying I'm not sure if I, want, if I want the cheeseburger or if I want the buffalo chicken wings. I mean, that's, that's I get if you're undecided, if you're at lunch. What are you in the mood for? But I'm sorry. You know who the president has been. You know Biden. You know he's been around. It's a dis- quick, I think it's a relatively simple decision one way or the other. But there are still these undecided voters. But what they had to say was very interesting. Many of the participants complained about Trump's personality in general. However, many felt that Trump was more presidential during the debate. Many complained that treasonous Joe Biden seemed vague and elusive in his answers. Well, that's how Biden has always been. Look, man, come on, man. Look, I'm the guy. Do I look like a socialist? It's always pie in the sky. Again, typical politician. They tell you what they want to hear. They'll promise you the world, and they'll never deliver on any of it. So what were the focus group's words to describe Biden? Vague, unspecific, elusive, defensive, grandfatherly. What did the focus group have to say about Trump? Controlled, reserved, poised, con artist, surprisingly presidential. Okay, so four out of five were great. One person said, if I had to go with one person, I'd probably go with Trump because at least he has proven something in his four years. That was a voter from Georgia. Here's a voter from Michigan. I really, really, really wanted to vote for Joe Biden. I really, really do. But I just, based on tonight's performance, Donald Trump. And some voters expressed feelings of guilt in admitting they would vote for Trump, but said they simply could not trust Biden to do the job. One said age was a concern. Another said voting for Biden felt like voting for an idea since he seemed unlikely to be running his own administration. And that's going to go through the minds of many people. Because when Biden goes, it's Kamala Harris, it's going to be all the ultra-left, the squad and all the ultra-ultra-radical left that'll be controlling Kamala. And don't think for a second that Kamala won't take this country extremely hard left. Another undecided voter said that he felt that Trump had shown at least what he could do over the past four years. Now, Luntz ended the discussion after asking participants whom they would choose after watching the debate. Here are the results. I was watching this. I was just shocked because I thought, you know, you're probably going to get a split. Of the eight undecided voters, he asked, seven chose Trump, one still undecided. Seven out of eight breaking for Trump is significant. And I believe that even though the lamestream media, the libstream media will say, oh, this isn't going to change anything. Remember, you have a lot of independent voters that may change their, their mind. They may have been leaning towards Biden. This can change their mind. And the very small number of, of undecided voters, even if it's 3 4%, 5%, that can shift an election in very tight races. One still seemed undecided. I don't know what to Sergeant Steve, what do you think they should do with that one undecided voter? Should they send them to China who will make the decision for them? That, that sounds like a good idea. 
Unbelievable. I mean, how can you be undecided after watching that debate, hearing everything, eight months of campaigning and politicking, how on earth can you be undecided? It makes absolutely no sense to me. Unless you've buried your head in the sand and not paid attention at all. Exactly right. So in the, uh, in the end, my final analysis, Trump scored very well. Biden looked weak. Biden put his foot in his mouth, despite what I thought was going to be a very biased moderator. She was biased somewhat, but overall in check. And I found it amazing that all these people in the Libstream media said, oh, magnificent, so proud of my colleague. Sergeant Steve, when you watch a football game and you see a referee at the end of the game, do you say, I am so proud of that referee. What a wonderful job that referee or that linesman uh, did tonight. I'm just, just proud of him. No. Yeah, yeah, when baseball and the umpire can't call balls and strikes, we call them out. But otherwise, we ignore them. Right, exactly. And the bottom line is, a moderator should be like a referee. When there's a good referee, let the players play. You may jump in just occasionally to keep order, but to praise her like, oh, she was so magnificent, typical Libstream media patting themselves on the back. They live in their own little bubble. Remember, their own little uh, Upper East Side and inside the Washington Beltway bubble, and they don't realize that the rest of America really didn't pay much attention to overall the moderator. I'm sure they noticed her, but they didn't say, oh, fabulous. Kristen Welker was, give her a standing ovation. Did not happen. All right, a couple of items real quickly here. Just a reminder that you can also uh, follow along on our brother podcast, the Cigar Dave Show podcast, where we talk about cigar connoisseur-related items and topics and smoke fantastic cigars. If you're interested in learning about cigars, getting in, expanding your alpha male repertoire from spirits to cigars, go to uh, do a search for Cigar Dave. And make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe to the Bold Alpha podcast and give us a five-star rating. Lastly, if you are thinking about getting into cigars, you're already a cigar connoisseur, you'd like to experience some great cigars, then I've got the perfect program for you. It is the Cigar Dave Officers Club. $22.95 per month gets you the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. This month, the Gurkha Heritage to all of our Officers Club members, an exquisite medium, medium full cigar. Last month, we had a magnificent cigar from Placencia, the Placencia Alma del Fuego, or Fire. Every month, you get three great cigars shipped to you in a Cigar Dave Officers Club Ziploc pouch. Go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club, join for $22.95 per month, and enhance your alpha male pleasure maneuver experience. Alpha Dave, your global five-star general alpha male in chief. Much more bold alpha as always, front and center.